Good morning. What a beautiful and powerful promise from Scripture that in the fullness of God, there is joy. And the news that we have to proclaim this Christmas season and each Christmas season and each day of our life is that in Jesus Christ, God comes in the fullness of His glory and of truth and we can experience His joy among us. Over this Advent season, this season of preparation, of waiting, we have talked about, we have anticipated, we have even experienced the peace of God among us, the hope of God among us, and yes, even today, the joy of God among us. Now, maybe this may be a little more confessional than you would like, but, but for some of us, Bah humbug type folks, or at least that's what we hear sometimes. The idea of joy being among us is one of the challenging and one of those things that we would, would seek and ask God, God, fill us with your joy. And oh, how glorious it is today for, for our choir and our orchestra to lead us in worship and for a congregation to join in the praise and celebration of God and to lift our hearts in our lives, in our voices, to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and in the midst of that, to experience the joy of worship, the joy of giving our, our hearts and our lives, our voices to the Lord. And I hope that you have experienced that this morning. And I hope that even now you have begun to experience the joy of God among us. How desperately our world needs joy, a lasting joy, a joy that springs up from within because things in life are right and good, relationship with God and with others is right and good, and out of that experience, the fullness of God's joy can bubble up from within and as we look around our world, as we read the news and the headlines, we see that we are a world and a nation and a people who desperately need to experience the joy of God among us. And so this morning we turn to Scripture. And this morning we look at this story of God coming to dwell among us and to bring His joy. And I want us to begin today in the Old Testament. So if you would, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Now, I hope you've noticed over these last few weeks, as we've retold the New Testament Christmas story, we've tried to make those links into some of the Old Testament prophecies. And today, as we look at the joy of Mary, we begin... In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 1, we are told that in the days of King Ahaz, now King Ahaz was the king of, of Judah, which was that southern kingdom of, of Israel. Now remember, the, the ten tribes had formed the kingdom of Israel in, in those New Old Testament days, and King Ahaz was the king of the, the, the southern tribes, which found its capital in Jerusalem. And it was a time, and it was a dark time in the life of Judah, in the, in the reign of King Ahaz, when Samar, uh, excuse me, where the king of Ephraim, the king of Israel, and the king of Aram were coming against 
Judah and coming against Ahaz. And Ahaz was frightful as his brothers, so to speak. The, the ten northern tribes were, were coming against them. And Ahaz, the Scripture tells us, if we look in 2 Kings, at 2 Kings chapter 16, the Scripture tells us that King Ahaz was one of those kings who did not do right. He did not do good in the sight of the Lord. And so King Ahaz is scared, he's frightened that these invading neighbors are going to come in and and destroy Judah or take Judah over and oppress them. And so he began seeking all the gods of the neighboring nations, all the gods of the people, in trying to find a solution because he's fearful. In fact, as we look at Isaiah chapter 7, if you look at verse 2, it says the heart's of the king and the hearts of the people shook like trees in the forest in fear. In fear of these neighbors coming in to conquer and to oppress them. And the prophet Isaiah goes to Ahaz and says, Ahaz, you need to understand that what Ephraim, what Israel has planned against you will not come to pass. It shall not stand. And the Lord God is calling Ahaz to come back and to to worship Him. Yet if we understand and if we'll remember and even read back in 2 Kings chapter 16, what we learn about King Ahaz is he had turned so far away from the Lord that he, even he, this king, had practiced child sacrifice and given one of his sons over to the altar in that horrific and gruesome ritual of worship of the peoples surrounding him. And yet Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, God is still with you. In fact, Ahaz, if you will ask for a sign, if you will ask for a sign, God will show you and prove to you that he's on your side and that what these other nations intend to do will not come to pass. And King Ahaz, being so far away from God, said, I will not ask for a sign. I will not test God. And I think that's meant in a positive way. I will not ask God to to show show Himself present among us, not in in a testing way that would manipulate God, but rather God has said, ask for a sign. Test me and I will show you that I'm on your side. And yet King Ahaz says, no, I will not. And Isaiah continues and says, well then, the Lord will give you a sign. And isn't it fascinating? Isn't it ironic? Isn't it profound that the sign that Isaiah offers from the Lord is found in verse 14? The Lord will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and will bear a son and she will call his name Emmanuel. And he will eat curds and honey at the time and he knows enough to refuse evil and to choose good. Saying this about this one, this boy, this one, this child that would come that would be a sign of God's presence and power among them to a king who had sacrificed his own son, Isaiah now says, God will give you a son. 
For before the boy will know enough to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be forsaken. And here in this prophecy from Isaiah, it is prophesied that a virgin will come and she will be pregnant and she will give birth to Emmanuel, God with us. Now let's move into Luke chapter 1. So we move into the New Testament, and so many of us are familiar with that story. It begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, where the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and tells her, reminds her of this very prophecy that, that there will be one, there will be a virgin that will come, and, and she will become pregnant. And Mary, in the presence of that angel, simply looks up and says what we would all say, right? How can this be? How can this be? And this young girl, this, this young woman sits and listens to the angel. And the angel of the Lord expa- explains what would happen as the Spirit of God will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And she's going, well, whatever that means. As we today. But notice... What's next? How will this be? And and the angel of the Lord tells her this this theological treatise, right? Of of how this is going to happen. And she has no idea. And then notice what the angel says in verse 36. And behold. And behold. Even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. In her advanced years. This is someone who is beyond childbearing years. And the angel of the Lord is announcing to Mary. As she has said, how can this be? And the angel of the Lord directs her to an older relative named Elizabeth. And says, Mary, Elizabeth, who is beyond the years of childbirth. Elizabeth is pregnant. Continues on. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Mary, Mary, for nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Mary, you know Elizabeth. You know the shame that she has had as her and Zechariah have prayed and have begged for a child. And now she's beyond those years of childbirth. It's, it's literally impossible for her to become pregnant. Mary, you want to know how this can happen? Mary, Elizabeth is pregnant. Her and Zechariah are going to have a child. For you see, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Elizabeth's pregnancy for Mary was a sign or was a proof that what Mary had heard from the angel could also become true. For you see, nothing is impossible with God. Now I know we have some Star Wars folks out there, so we can't get by this weekend without a Star Wars reference. So as we look at this, for nothing with God will be impossible. As you look at the original language, it sounds more Yoda-esque. So let me share with you what Yoda might say as he would translate and understand this passage. He would literally say, 
For shall not be powerless any word or rhema from God. For shall not be powerless any word from God. You see, the word of God has been spoken, Mary, and whatever the word of God that has been spoken, it is not impossible. It will come to fruition. Mary, Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary, Hannah was pregnant with Samuel after she had passed those childbearing years. Look up to verse 28. When the angel came to Mary in verse 28, the angel said, Greetings, Hannah. For you see the word Hannah means favored one. So the greeting from the angel was not greetings, Mary. The, the greeting from the angel was greeting, Hannah. Greetings, favored one. Greetings, favored one who became pregnant after that time when it was not possible to become pregnant and had Samuel. And we are again reminded of the story in Genesis 18 of Abraham and Sarah. When the Lord said to Abraham, when, Abraham told, when God told Abraham that his wife, who was 90 years old, past the years of childbearing, was going to have a child, and the Lord said to Abraham, Is anything too difficult for the Lord? For shall not be powerless any word from God? This time next year, Abraham, Sarah will have a child. And with these things in her mind, the beauty and innocence and faith of Mary shines forth when she says, May it be done to me according to your word. This was Mary's prayer of faith. It was her prayer of submission. It was her prayer of obedience. It was her prayer that said, God, if you can do this with these other women, then God, I submit myself and may it be done unto me. What a beautiful, powerful story of faith and belief and trust in God. And so now with this prayer of submission, this prayer of, of welcoming the Spirit of God to come and to do a miracle within here, what does Mary do? Well, the Scripture tells us that now, which meant immediately, she probably went home and, and, and packed a few things, and she went to go see Elizabeth. And the scripture says, as we pick up the story in verse 39, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country and entered into the house of Zechariah. And there was Mary, six months pregnant. As we read the first part of Luke chapter 1, what we discover is that Elizabeth's baby as well as a miracle. Elizabeth's baby is a sign that the Messiah is coming. And in verse 15 it says that Elizabeth's baby would be filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born. 
and in verse 14 that this baby, this, this one that they had prayed for, that they had longed for, that he would be a joy and a delight to them. And that he would come to make ready a people prepared for the coming of the Lord God. And Mary comes into the, the house of Elizabeth and Zechariah and she greets them. And then look at what the scripture says in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. This word leaped means to leap for joy. When Mary's words came into the house and filled the house with her greeting, the babe inside of Elizabeth leaped for joy. Six months. I've never had the experience of being six months pregnant. I'm told that babies move. I have felt babies move at six months. For my wife only, okay? Four times. Actually three, because two came at one time. The baby leaped within her womb. And the Spirit of God that had already, I believe, had already filled this this infant John in the womb, this Spirit of God that recognized and, and discerned what was going on as Mary entered the house, this same Spirit then filled Elizabeth. And look at what Elizabeth says. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Remember, Mary's on a faith journey. She's heard this incredible news from the angel about what's going to happen to her. She's going to become pregnant. She still is wondering about that mystery. And she's heard that, that her, maybe her aunt is pregnant and she's going to see her aunt. And her aunt, it's not like she called ahead and said, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. I'm coming to see you. Mary shows up. And Elizabeth immediately says, because the Spirit of God has filled her, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Did you, did you hear that? Did you, you hear what Elizabeth just did? She affirmed the word of the Lord to Mary. And the first person that says, Mary... You are pregnant. Elizabeth affirmed that. Elizabeth sensed that. Elizabeth knew that. As soon as she heard the voice of Mary, something happened, something spiritually happened, something dynamically happened where Mary, Elizabeth was able to affirm and confirm and come alongside Mary and say, You are pregnant and blessed are you. Elizabeth, you can, just imagine, you can just see it, right? Elizabeth and Mary in a state of joy, crying and hugging and laughing and experiencing that together as only two moms can do that, that aren't supposed to be pregnant. And rejoicing in that. I can't help but believe that it was Elizabeth's joy that became contagious to Mary. That became strength for Mary to understand what was beginning to go on. For you see, joy is contagious. 
And oh, how we need joy to be contagious in our lives, in our families, in our world today. Oh, that we would have those that are filled with the Spirit of God and sensitive to what God is doing around us and can share their joy with others in a celebratory, gracious, and humble way. Elizabeth plays such a critical role here in affirming Mary's obedience and Mary's faith. Notice in verse 45, Elizabeth says, Blessed is she, blessed is Mary, who believed. Who believed that the word of God would come true in her. Blessed is the one who believed that what God said would happen. Blessed is the one who believes that the word of God is not impossible to be fulfilled, even when it sounds impossible. It's interesting that in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking with others, and the comment in verse 27 to Jesus is how blessed is your mother how blessed is the mom who who bore Jesus how blessed is the one that that Jesus was your mother that raised you and nurtured you and and had the privilege of of growing you up in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus how blessed is your mom because of you and Jesus says this no my mother's not blessed because of me My mother is blessed because she heard the word of the Lord and she observed it. She believed it. That is why Mary is blessed because she heard, she obeyed, and through that God was able to do a miracle of his son coming to live and to be a part of this place. This word observe is critical. As we hear the word of the Lord, do you observe the word of the Lord? Do you obey? That's the easy way to, to understand that. But it, it goes much deeper than just obedience. It's, it's a, a statement of faith. It's observing it in faith. It's living like it is true. Mary lived like it was true even before she really understood and knew that she was pregnant. She lived like it was true. This word observe means that, that keep watch. To be on the alert like a, a watchman. To see and to note the signs that, that what God has said is true. And, and I see a sign here and I, I note what's going on here. And I'm observing that it is true. To observe means that we live in faith. To observe means that we anticipate, that we expect, and that we become a participant in what God has said. And here is the meaning of joy. Observing God's Word as it comes to be in our lives. Joy, gladness, because what God has spoken and what God has said is coming true, is being manifest, is becoming reality and truth in our lives and in our world. This is joy. 
And so Mary, as she has this experience, this encounter with Elizabeth who affirms her faith, Mary herself breaks out into joy in what we call the Magnificat when she says, My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Elizabeth is the first in her response to Mary in saying, and calling Mary the mother of her Lord, the mother of God. And here for the first time, Mary says, Jesus, this child that will be born, will be Savior. And in these first verses of the Christmas story, we discover that Jesus Christ is both Lord and both Savior. And because of that, we can rejoice and we can exalt and we can magnify and glorify God. Because a Savior is coming. So we continue the story in, in verse 56 and 57. It's that time where Elizabeth is to give birth to her son. And the scripture says in verse 56 that, that Mary goes back home, goes back to Nazareth. But interesting in verse 57 and 58 that the scripture says that, that Elizabeth's neighbors and relatives were there at the birth of John. And so some might say that those may not be in the exact chronological order, that, that maybe Mary stayed through the pregnancy and she was one of those relatives that, that rejoiced and celebrated in the birth of John before she went back. But here begins and picks up the rest of the Christmas story as Mary returns to Nazareth. Today, church, as we celebrate this third Sunday of Advent, we celebrate and proclaim the joy of God among us. The joy of God among us comes as we hear. It comes as we believe. It comes as we observe the Word of God to us. And so for each of us this morning, here's the question that I want us to ask. What are you hearing? What are you hearing from God in your life, in your family? What are you hearing from God in your work what are you hearing from God concerning your church and your community? And not just what are you hearing, but what are you believing? What are you believing that God is about? What is the word that God has spoken to you, has spoken to us? And what word are we believing? Because those words that we hear and believe must then be observed. So what words of God are you observing and living out, and watching for, and on guard for, and participating in even today? And in what area of your life would your prayer to God be today? May it be done to me according to your word, God. Or maybe as a church, what word would we say today to the Lord God as a church, as the family at First Baptist in Norman? What would we say, God, may it be done to us according to your word? What are we hearing and believing and observing even today? Church, we remember King Ahaz. We too live at a time where leaders, where society, and where individuals do not do right in the sight of God. 
May God grant us a sign that a virgin will be with child and she will call His name Emmanuel. For you see, in the birth of Jesus, God is with us. The sign is with us. So let us hear the angels proclaim, as they do in Luke 2, that we have good news of great joy to share with all the peoples. A Savior is born. Christ the Lord. And with this truth, we can be confident that nothing is impossible with God. And for this reason, we can rejoice and experience the joy of God among us. Let's pray.